This week is Alex Birchall. He's the lead singer and guitarist from the band Redwood. Redwood are an alt rock band with post rock influences. Hello, Alex. Hello. How right. are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, doing good. I think if we start with firsts, and uh, I'm going to ask you the first question, which is what are your earliest memories of music in your life? Oh, God. Um, I think probably being in like year five at school and like learning guitar for the first time so I learned like classical guitar when I was like that age and I could sight read really well and like play like obviously not better than I can now but like I used to be able to play pretty well and I stopped like two years after that and like never learned how to sight read again I think the earliest ones were like songs like Good King Wenceslas and like kind of stuff actually learning yeah but music listening to like I'd say probably like Cat Stevens and Simon and Garfunkel stuff like that. Is it's that like, kind of thing your parents got you into? Or? Yeah, it's like car rides with your parents, and you know, because you, when you're younger, you seem to go everywhere with your parents and do stuff like that. Yeah. So, and they used to always put that kind of stuff on, and the the mamas and the papas as well. Oh yeah, I nice. love that kind of stuff. Yeah, I still listen to some of it now, especially like Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah, it's um, classic stuff. Absolutely yeah. amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. So yeah, actually, I was also going to ask you about your parents' music taste. And do you think you've just inherited their taste? Well, I think to a certain extent, obviously, I think everyone inherits things from their parents, like styles and stuff. But um, my my mum actually, oh, I always used to like 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 harder rock kind of music, not not like heavy rock or anything like that, but just like powerful songs. I always remember her kind of describe it like that. And <clears throat> my dad liked loads of music as well. Like he's a big fan of like all sorts of used to just sing bits of songs like bits from the Beatles and stuff like that and I'd know that bit in my head and I'd hear it in a Beatles song like sung completely differently and then realise like, oh well, that's that song yeah yeah. Um, but no my mum and me actually share quite a similar music taste I mean so to a certain extent with my dad as well like, I'll show him some songs and he'll be like latch onto a few of them but like, I really like that one mm. like my mum I showed her Young the Giant and uh, she now like listens to that on like full blast around the house while she's like chilling out or like doing work and stuff so that's, that's pretty awesome. cool yeah. yeah but I think they definitely did influence the start of it and I think you only just realise that when you're older when you've kind of when you know yourself a bit more music taste wise I think that you know I do now realise that a lot of the songs I like listening to and the, the reasons I like certain stuff is because I had that upbringing of that kind of stuff you know maybe like more ballady kind of music yeah that's yeah. interesting yeah so um Obviously, you've you know had a very um, you know come from a musical background. Your parents are really into it, and like obviously that's going to inspire you right from a young age. Um, but playing music obviously is kind of a different thing to just listening to it. So, what was your first experience when you to play with a live band? When did you start playing with other people? Okay, so um, depends what you classify as like actually being like live, like actually playing with other people. Because I was in year seven at school, and. Uh, Oh, it must have been year eight actually, because I went to a middle school. I went from primary school to middle school to so high school. Yeah. So um, it was like our last day of school kind of thing, and everyone had to, like perform stuff or do something. And I remember I played Green Day Holiday on oh, guitar. Oh, nice. Yeah. And it, it was quite funny because I um like, I was I just knew how to play that song, so I like went up to two of the guys I went to school with Tom and Ewan. 
because Tom played drums, great drummer. He didn't really even heard the song, but just played it mm. like fine. And like you and like learned all the lyrics to it, but he didn't realize he learned some fake lyrics, like you know that misheard lyrics. Yeah. So he was that scene. I remember the line like every dog coming out of cake for that Green Day line, like every dog coming out of cake. <laughs> like, yeah. And he got really upset, but they obviously just did it anyway because he realized that no one would probably be understanding. Exactly. Like, I wouldn't. I wouldn't notice. Every word. Kind of so, yeah. So that was my first experience with that kind of stuff. But like that wasn't really a band. That was just kind of turning up and just having a bit of fun. Although obviously being in a band is fun right yeah. <laughs> um but i got into year nine and that was when like a couple of schools will all go to the same school so you meet more people and um i met a few people over there mostly a guy called jack bowden i started writing music with him first and he was a drummer really f- phenomenal drummer like mm. great he, i think he learned doing like jazz stuff as everyone did at the school but he was like a great rock drummer as well and i started a band with him called morning revelry and that was a uh, weird name but um, so that's quite a like yeah. grand name for a yeah I mean like I remember because it was um we, we we wanted a girl singer because we were really into bands like Paramore and stuff like that then so we approached this girl called Charlie Art School and she was a really great singer and like um, she started doing stuff like that. she loved doing it as well which was cool because you know it was a bit heavier than she'd like I mean it's just so long ago it's hard to obviously remember it properly but that stuff mm. but she loved that kind of stuff I think and um yeah, we used to like do band practices in Jack's shed. So and then eventually we got like a full band together. It was a, and we that's when I started writing music with Charlie Parrott as well and like Lewis Pike on bass stuff. It was great. Like we used to love it. And we used to play actual shows. Like went to like did like Club eighty five and stuff like that. You know, we took it seriously. Is that a club in Hertfordshire? Yeah, so it's like a it's it's in Hitchin and it's like a it's a venue but it's quite it's quite good. Like it's got big stage, you know. Yeah. And it's you know, obviously there's not tons of like music going through Hitchin at the moment, I guess. I mean I don't live there anymore but you know, it was still quite fun though, and mm. that was my first experience of band stuff, like being in a band. I just remember how cool it would be being like, I've got band practice on the weekend. It used to be such a novelty, and now yeah. it's like, oh, I've got band practice. Tiresome, yeah. <laughs> Nine hours long, yeah. So, like, with these bands, you're straight away writing your own stuff and that kind of thing. Like, is it, you like, inspired by other bands to write songs? You're not like, was it, were you ever taught how to write songs or anything like that, or did you just kind of see how you could come, what you could come up with? Well, um, I think, yeah, from, like, from the off, like, because I was 13 when I started Morning Reverie, and um, we'd always, there just seemed to be the general consensus that we would write our own songs. I mean, I think at the time we did do some covers as well, like the odd one, I think we did, like, a Kings of Leon one, you know, mm. and, like, something else. So, like, I think we did a, a Lady Gaga one, because it was Poker Face, but You Mate Six covered it, and we liked their cover, so we covered their cover. It, that, it was cool, though, it went off, mm. you know. But, um yeah, no, it's always seemed like the done thing to just write your own songs and perform your own because it felt a bit more authentic, I guess, mm. and a bit more, I don't know, just more involved that way. Mm. So, like, we start writing all sorts by then. I think it, the genre I can't really put, kind of, we've never really been able to put, like, a, a consistent thing on, like, something I've done because, like, it's never really followed, like, you know, rigid guidelines or anything. But it was, it was quite like a, it was definitely rock music, mm. but with, like, heavier and softer bits in it and kind of stuff like that, you know. Had some like you know breakdowns and stuff as well. Really, yeah. so kind of into the heavier thing. Yeah, I used to like because you know I was listening to bands like We Are the Ocean and stuff then that were like kind of like had some screaming and stuff in it. We never really did that. I think we did it, like once. Yeah, what you did, you did or something? Well, I mean, I think I tried to band practice once. It didn't go that well. But like <laughs> later on, like in other bands, I did do more stuff like that. But you know, my voice hadn't broken when I was thirteen. I don't think. Or maybe yeah, I was just imagine talking like this all the time. Pre-dead, yeah, squealing, yeah, yeah, pretty much like that. Yeah, I'm glad uh, Redwood <laughs> came later and you didn't yeah. stick with that one. Yeah, but um, 
so yeah so obviously you're writing songs and you're collaborating with other people and I remember you saying that you've come, some of the guys you've been in previous bands with in Redwood and everything like that so what would you say um, separated Redwood from everything else you've done and wh why do you think that's the project that's that's lasted um, I'd say age has a lot to do with it as well obviously because age you know dictates circumstance as well by where you're, where you're at that point but it's quite difficult even if you are writing good songs obviously I'm sure when I was 13 the songs I was writing probably weren't that good but you know even if you are writing good songs it, it's difficult to be taken seriously to a certain extent just because like you know you're a bunch of 13 year olds and you look back at some of the emails you've um you've written and they're just ridiculous like you know oh can we play at your venue also how many people will be there kind of thing yeah. i think i actually did write something some along the lines of that like and then i look back at it and i remember i had a conversation like jack last year about it because it was me and him that wrote it together yeah and, like, just how embarrassing it was but i think that is a big part of it as well but i also think for me maybe not for everyone else but when i was 13 like the music i listened to at the time I was like oh this is definitely the music i like and often you'd like corner yourself in a genre so I just listened to like rock and then just listened to heavy music like because mm. I went from listening to like bands like you know Kingsley and Paramore the Killers and stuff to you know Bring Me the Horizon mm. when they were heavier and like Suicide Silence and that kind of stuff and like you know I think Breaking Benjamin and stuff as well mm. great band but you know you do kind of try and corner yourself in one thing because you love that genre so much because at that age if you're friends with people who are into the same music taste and you just sort of you just stick to talk it, back yeah. and forth about yeah. the same kind of the kind of stuff and Definitely. it doesn't really change but I, I remember you telling me quite recently that you were you got a bit of a taste for like bossa nova music and stuff oh yeah i love bossa nova i think i don't know what it is about it it's just i think i can't remember when i heard it i think it's for a while it sounds kind of funny but like me and my parents used to go cafe rouge like i used to love that restaurant and then like um they'd always play like bossa kind of stuff there and like have like all parisian design and stuff mm -hmm. and i really liked it i just thought it was really nice it kind of completely just doesn't sound english at all mm. so it completely takes you away from anything you were feeling like it, you know that kind of stuff it's really nice so sometimes i just sit in my room and listen to like any sorts of bossa nova i mean like, i don't know much because i don't listen to much dan gets but the girl from ipanema he does a version of that i don't know if it's his or mm. whether he's you know done a version of it but i love that one it's so good yeah just how softly it's recorded as well like right? the, the the double bass sounds so nice i just yeah it just sends me away definitely i love that yeah so bossa, bossa nova music is obviously really separate from everything else you you're into and stuff like that like did you ever find other people who are into it or was it just like a a nice sort of like nostalgic thing yeah I don't know really because like sometimes when I oh, I'll put it on my room sometimes with my girlfriend Chrissy she comments on like how much she likes it or it's nice and it's just relaxing stuff but um, I've never really actively been like oh yeah I love Bossa Nova do you guys love it and what Bossa Nova artists do you like I've never really done that with it it's just kind of been one of the not even a, a guilty pleasure because I don't think there's anything embarrassing about Bossa mm. but it's just I don't know like it's just something that when you're sitting for a while listen to different music you'd, I'd chuck it on and that would often just stay on for like a good hour or something because it's mm. just so easy to listen to Yeah, and you don't really differentiate too much between so, well I don't, I don't have other people, but I'm sure people who listen to it properly do but yeah. for me it's just one long nice load of sounds and stuff yeah, yeah that's nice um, so my next question for you is what is the most exciting part about being involved with a project like Redwood oh I think it's the opportunity and the, the the things it can do for you and take you. So I remember we had a, we just did a Europe tour in the summer, so a couple of months ago, and we had this point where we were like, I think we're in the middle of Germany in like a national park camping. 
and um, we had um, we were just kind of sitting there. And we're like, how weird is it that just like just by starting, you're sort of picking up a guitar in your room alone. You know, just one thought of that has eventually led to this point, which is really cool because I guess it did start from just picking up a guitar in a bedroom and being like, oh, I guess I might try to write songs today, kind of thing. Never would have thought like flash to I don't know when I was thirteen, like you know. In like eight years later, I think you know you never really think that it will actually lead you to those kind of places. So I'd definitely say the best part of that is opportunity and stuff where you don't know where it's going to take you. Yeah. Because like, I do like to travel, but obviously you don't have as much time to travel, so you get most of your fix from that from touring and stuff, which is cool. Yeah. And the people you meet, I've met loads of people from being in the band. I have lo- loads of cool friends and nice people, like like Hamish Dickinson, Tom Brook, and all that. Really talented individuals. <clears throat> the work with like you know, some people that you like have looked up to all your life and they're working mm. with them. Mm. Like I said before, like the guy from Corn like posted one of Tom's pictures the other day that he took of him. And that was like, really cool because obviously that mm. corner of the band that you've known for ages and now like one of your mates has got, you know, one of his pictures, you know, so, you know, by Corner, it was really cool. Yeah, so I remember you, you were telling me the other day that um, you actually, one of your favourite bands, one of the bands that kind of changed what you wanted to write was from Indian Lakes and then you actually had the opportunity to play as a support band for them yeah that was cool um, so I remember I think I was at like my friend's house like it was ages ago like two two and a half years ago maybe even three and we're at, I think it's two and a half we're at my friend's house and it was like eight in the morning nine in the morning and I just woke up from a night out and then I saw um, from Indian Lakes were coming to the UK and I was like oh my god like that's huge like I love this band were they kind of small time at the time or um, well, they weren't big, but like, I don't know how you define it really. But they were like doing well; like mm. people knew about them, and they were on their like second album. I think they were on Able Bodies by then. I th- no, they'd just done Absent Sounds mm. by that time. So like, they, yeah, they were gathering some you know pretty good speed. And um, you know, I saw it, and I remember immediately messaged the guy that did the horns and Torbins. I was like, we have to play the show. Like, please let's play the show. Mm. And then the guy that was like kind of like, helping our band at the time, Andy Sloan great guy um, he um, messaged uh, the guy as well and was like persuaded him as well so that was really cool just it was, it was quite surreal actually because it's like I don't know I, it's not like a kind of like ooh fangirly thing but being in the same room as someone that you that they're the reason you stopped listening to heavy music and start listening to more music not just their band but just other styles mm-hmm. um, It's it was cool and like they're a cool band sounded great just really like you know, chill guys. So yeah. it was it was cool to even just to now just be like, oh yeah, we've played from India Lakes before because mm. obviously I love that band. So yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Why do you think it's important to write and play music? Okay, um, I think for a lot of people, obviously people channel different stuff differently. But I guess firstly for me, it'd be a, it was a, it's a therapeutic thing. So I think that can relate to other people as well. So I think having something as well, I think that you've had in your brain. Uh, like an idea or something I don't know I'm assuming that most people get the thing where you know you sit there and an idea comes in your head and you can kind of see it and it's quite exciting like, oh that's a you know it's a cool idea I'd like to make that a tangible thing I think that writing and recording music is making these like amazing thoughts and stuff you have in your head a, into a tangible thing that you can actually show other people and I think it's a really wonderful thing to be able to show your art with other people and other people like it you know it's nothing better than someone saying oh that's really cool who, who did that and they'd be like oh I did and it's mm. like oh you know, it's, it's nice to I think it's nice to be appreciated um, and it's nice to be able to do these things for yourself as well mm-hmm. to you know have these ideas and be able to produce them into things I think it's a I don't know I feel like it's a, it's good for your soul <laughs> yeah. yeah 
music's very important to you. Um, what do you think your life would be like if you had to give it up? I think it'd be, I don't know. It feels quite like it would be quite unfulfilled. Because obviously in times everyone's life is stuff, no matter how sure it is, you always think about what it'd be like to not have it or maybe one day, but oh, you know, like not feeling the mood for it that day kind of thing. Although with Redwood, that is very rare because I do genuinely love it. Mm. Um, but I guess it would feel quite empty and I'd feel a bit directionless without this because it's not just a safety net of kind of, and by safety net, I mean I can go through day to day life and bad things happen and be like, it's okay, I still have Redwood, you know, to mm. put effort into and do stuff with and still, you know, think something of myself. So I think if I didn't have it, I'd feel a little bit more stressed out day to day by like wanting to secure something, do something, because it's a bit like, you know, when, say if you don't have a job and then you kind of get a job, it's like that kind of feeling of, you know, that, of the completion kind of thing but with what you have what I have with Redwood it's like a constant thing of no matter how, what stage it's at you're always proud of it so you always feel like you've achieved and are achieving so it's not like oh I've got a job now I want a better one I'm going to get this one with Redwood it's like oh I just want to you know help this grow into something hmm. bigger than it is you know I guess or more successful if you were to give up music in some way do you think there's anything else that you can get the same enjoyment from that might take its place yeah, I think, um, maybe not to the same quite extent, but possibly, because I haven't explored it too much. I, I really love art, so like, I love like creating things, like drawing and painting, that kind of stuff. I mean, I I was okay at it for a while, but then I think when I got to like 17, 18, I just never progressed. So like, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm good at art anymore, but like, I can still like do drawing sometimes that I'm proud of. Hmm. But I'd like to definitely explore that a bit more, and um, I, I love design and stuff like that, like... I mean, just looking at your bedroom now, as all well, this room we're in, I think it's really cool how like the like the colours schemes you got going on, and the, like the plants and stuff. It's like a nice vibe kind of thing. I really like that kind of stuff, like making nice vibes and stuff. So, it would be cool to maybe look into doing design and stuff like that, and like mm-hmm. photography is something I like, and especially like music videos and stuff. I really love music videos, mm-hmm. so filming and stuff. So mostly anything arty and creative, nothing yeah. like real, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Okay, our next section is called Overlooked, which gives our guests the chance to shine a light on something that's been neglected in some way, in some way that's relevant to their passion. And uh, Alex, what do you think is overlooked? I think definitely music videos to a certain extent can be overlooked by some bands or in some ways, or some people may look at them slightly differently, but I think the, the way I feel is... I mean, I, I know it's not the same for everyone because I know some people's music videos just don't really matter. They're not really a thing. But um, for me, like when I'm writing music and writing the, the rubber songs of that, like uh, it'll kind of like ideas, not just music, they'll come to mind. They'll be like sometimes they'll come at the same time. Music video ideas as well, like how I think this could be best explained. I think because I think music videos are like a, it's another it's like another door opening for people to get on board with your song. Because there's been some music videos or, or bands I've listened to where I've been like, oh, that music video looks really cool. And then it's made me understand the song a lot quicker. Because obviously, you know, when you first listen to a song, it's just, it to a certain extent, it's just like sounds. And then you listen to it again and again and again. And then it becomes something so you can decipher it a bit better and you understand it a bit better. I think sometimes music videos help skip a few of those steps and help be like, this is the thing we're going for to understand it a bit better. Mm. And like, I just love what you can do with them as well because like bands like Foxing have this video for I can't remember what song it is actually. Um, it's one of their on, on their newest album and it's like eleven minutes long, and it's like a whole kind of like story, um, 
like this like ballerina that ties in with the music video really nicely and like it's not just a story because it does have like the lead singer um like mime along with it and stuff like that but it's just really well done i just love the endless possibilities of stuff you can do and weird stuff as well like mm. i think because my lyrics are quite um not then not like I like to say they're not boring. They're not just like straightforward. I do try and like sometimes they're a bit morbid and stuff, certain mm. stuff in certain ways. And then I like music videos, but like that as well. Like you know, a bit like off the off the beaten track. Yeah, know, not just stuff. a band performing in an aircraft hangar yeah. or something. You want like a yeah, definitely which, a bit of a narrative yeah. or something. Which I'm excited to explore a bit more because obviously it's so difficult earlier on when you're doing stuff to be able to do that because there are budgets and stuff to be able to make it actually look proper because I don't really want to attempt something and it look really shabby and release it because then it's like oh I didn't mm. really know that so it's nice to like I'm excited to explore more of that I've got pages and pages of ideas about videos just obviously waiting till we can do them would be cool mm. yeah. cool okay that leads us to our final question which is Alex what is the best piece of advice that you've ever received that is relevant to music that is a good question Let's see. Um, I think because I've had a lot of advice from like parents, friends, and stuff like that. I think, but musically, there's been two people in my life that have uh, obviously, you know, your parents are a huge one, but um, obviously, there's been two people that haven't been in the band or related to me that gave me some really good advice. That's uh, Andy Sloan and Hamish Dickinson. They're two people that have really helped out Redwood. So Andy Sloan, he, he, uh, I'll give you some background before, yeah. So he, he saw us play at a festival, and um, he like came up to one of our friends, was like, "Oh, who's that band?" He told him, then he came and spoke to us, and then he he like took us on this like journey of like taking ourselves more seriously. So I think that's the first thing I'd say. There's some really good advice I've been given was you know just take yourself as seriously as you want others to take you because as soon as we started working with Andy, like everything went up a level in terms of like how in our live show, the way we conducted ourselves online. Um, and just, I'd say just the general core of it was a bit more because someone else believed in us. They didn't have to. We were a bit like, oh, you know, mm. fair enough. Maybe we should take it a bit more seriously. It's not to say that we didn't before. It's just that it gives you a renewed faith in that as well. And with Hamish, I think just about, everything he says to me is a good bit of advice I mean I, I'm constantly asking him ringing him like oh what do I do with this thing oh so and so has just said this to me how do I respond mm. or even to the point where like oh so and so said this to me how do I respond to that you know like upset kind of thing like, yeah. and so all the advice he's given has been fantastic and he's really like he's been the absolute catalyst in taking our band like I, you know I keep talking about levels up levels but yeah. it's just I guess it's the best way to communicate how, what I mean but like help us like kind of shed those chains of being that local band just and then just to be a band so he's helped with all that kind of stuff like organizing like pr stuff because i remember after we recorded blood moon with him i was like how do we do this like what do we do like do we just like how do we how do you release something properly and he just talked us through the whole thing so yeah i think that definitely so taking yourself more seriously and then just everything harry said i mean i could pluck one of them out but this Mm. is too many bits of good advice (laughs) Okay, um, as we've had the lead singer of Redwood on, I think it's only appropriate that we play one of your songs. So, uh, which song would you like us to play? Which one have you got for us? Mm, I think we'll go for Night Garden. Okay. So far, uh, we just released it was a we released a single, so it's Night Garden and Asta, and we put Mountain Vinyl. So on one side it's uh, Blood Moon, the other side it's a, a secret track, perhaps. I think is it on the vinyl? Might be just on the tape actually. And then Night Garden Asta on the other side. So I think Night Garden, yeah. Self-done Think of all 
to Redwood's music on SoundCloud you've got a Facebook page, Instagram you can follow all over those social media platforms um, and you've got music, you're currently working on a new album which is called We haven't got a name for it yet we're um, nearly there. I was wondering why I couldn't find that. Yeah, no it's okay, okay. Uh, oh, what, for, the, for the one we're writing now? Yeah, or for, yeah. no the, we haven't got a name for that yet um, Money around a few ideas because we've, we've, we've recorded half the tracks and then we're in the stage of like bouncing around like the last few ideas before we go to record but yeah I'll let you know soon okay yeah, and that'll be out digitally or mostly on Spotify as well we get people to listen to us yeah, yeah. so when have you got a, a release date for that yet or not yet not yet I think we will soon because we're so nearly done with it yeah. just obviously we've got this like tour coming up and stuff that, you know I think by the end of the year we'll have like a name release date and hopefully like, artwork and stuff ready I guess but obviously that's top secret so yeah of course yeah. <laughs> well I look forward to hearing it yeah okay thanks very much for talking to me today Alex no worries thank and, you so uh, much yeah thanks for coming on cheers thank you